0: Chapter three. One more week after this in the book of Philippians, and we've been um, talking about pressing on. Today's lesson is on pressing on, you know, pressing towards the goal. And that um, comes from Philippians 3:14 says, "I press toward the goal for the prize of the upward call in Christ Jesus." And before that, he says in verse 12, not that I have already attained it or am already perfected, but I press on that I may lay hold of the, of that which Christ Jesus has also laid hold of me. So what what's our goal? Our goal is, is Jesus, that we would be in his presence in heaven one day, that we'll be worshiping him in that heavenly setting surrounded by his glory um, what a day that will be when we are all together and the as a song says in the sweet by and by that we will be with him forever and ever i mean and here on this earth we press on towards jesus in our life each day um, that we would live this life abundantly that we would live this life in and through Christ. And so chapter 3 begins with Paul saying, finally, but he's got another chapter, so he's not finally, finally. (laughs) Finally, my brethren, (coughs) excuse me. Finally, my brethren, rejoice in the Lord. Hang on a second. whoever put the water there finally my brethren rejoice in the lord for me to write the same things to you is not tedious but for you it is safe we need repeating don't we don't we need our lessons repeated sometimes in life we don't always catch it the first time or we need to be reminded of it and so kind of get that feeling here from paul um for me to write these same things to you is not tedious, but for you it is safe, it is useful, it's uh, it's for your benefit. And then he gets into um, a warning, and we need to he- heed the warnings of scripture, and this is one of them, that he tells the Philippians, he says, beware of dogs, beware of evil workers, beware... Of the mutilation so we have a dog I'm not afraid of him Um, he's afraid of the thunder and lightning last night but um, but this really is it's really a put-down that Paul puts in here because it's a strong warning against um, what we have come to know as Judaizers So beware of dogs, beware of evil workers, beware of the mutilation. He uses these strong words, dogs, evil workers, and beware of the mutilation. He's talking about those who were proclaiming that the Gentiles had to become basically become Jewish first and then believe in Christ. Okay, so it was Jesus and... um, circumcision was the the topic that he was really addressing here Um, that he was warning against this that it's it's christ alone that we are saved and there was an element who took the gospel of christ but stated that you had to be circumcised to be saved Also, so it's Christ plus. If there's ever Christ plus, then you know that it's not scriptural because it's Christ alone that we are saved, that we have the forgiveness of sin and, and eternal life. And so Acts 15 deals with this. so we we have the the title in my Bible is conflict over circumcision is all of acts 15 and so it starts with and certain men came down from Judea and taught the brethren unless you are circumcised according to the customs of Moses you cannot be saved and so therefore when Paul and Barnabas had small no small dissension and dispute with them they determined that Paul and Barnabas And certain others of them should go up to Jerusalem to the apostles and elders about this question. So in being sent on their way by the church, they passed through Phoenicia, Samaria, describing the conversion of the Gentiles, and they caused great joy to all the brethren. And when they had come to Jerusalem, they were received by the church and the apostles and the elders, and they reported all things that God had done with them. But some of the sect of the Pharisees who believed rose up saying, it is necessary to circumcise them, to command them to keep the law of Moses. Okay, and so then they have the Jerusalem Council, as it's called, and they dis- they dispute this, they debate it, um, and they finish in with this letter in verse 23 of Acts 15, and this was the conclusion. And it says, they wrote this letter by them, the apostles, the elders, and the brethren, to the brethren who are of the Gentiles in Antioch, Syria, and Cilicia. Greetings. Since we have heard that some who went out from us have troubled you with words, unsettling your souls, saying, you must be circumcised and keep the law, to whom we have no such commandment. It seemed good to us, being assembled with one accord, to send chosen men to you, with our beloved Barnabas and Paul, men who have risked their lives for the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. We have therefore sent Judas and Silas, who will also report the same things by word of mouth, for it seemed good to us, for it seemed good to the Holy Spirit and to us to lay upon you no greater burden than these necessary things, that you abstain from things offered to idols from blood from things strangled and from sexual immorality, if you keep yourselves from these things, you will do well. Farewell. And so the the issue of circumcision was um, put to rest with this. And but it seems like it those who um, stated that you had to be circumcised, followed the law that they. Continued, but the apostles sent out this letter stating um, the truth of the matter—that is, by Christ alone that we are saved—and gave instructions on what we should abstain from, and those, the things of this world that the world portrays, that are not of God, that are not God's ways. And so he warns. The Philippians beware of dogs beware of the evokers beware of the mutilation for we are the circumcision who worship God in spirit rejoice in Christ Jesus and have no confidence in the flesh though I also might have confidence in the flesh if anyone thinks he may have confidence in the flesh I more so so he's gonna just give his resume a little bit Paul is And he says, Circumcised on the eighth day of the stock of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of the Hebrews, concerning the law, a Pharisee, concerning concerning zeal, persecution, persecuting the church, concerning the righteousness which is in the law, blameless. And we know that this is Paul's history. In in Acts chapter 8, verse 1, it tells us, Now Saul was consenting to his death, meaning Stephen's death. At that time, a great persecution arose against the church, which was at Jerusalem, and they all scattered throughout the regions of Judea and Samaria, except the apostles. Devout men carried Stephen to his burial and made great lamentation over him. As for Saul, who becomes Paul, he made havoc of the church, entering every house and dragging off men and women, committing them to prison. And so we have Paul's resume. I mean, he says that he's the Hebrew of the Hebrews. He's he's of the tribe of Benjamin. He was a Pharisee of the law. um, Zeal, persecuting the church, as we just read in Out of Acts. Um, You know, he's in all of this, he said he was concerning righteousness, which is in the law, blameless. But but Christ, as we'll learn in a minute. And that comes in Acts 9, where we have the Damascus Road experience, where Paul is converted. Then Saul, still breathing threats and murder against the disciples of the Lord, went to the high priest, asked for letters from him, to the synagogues of Damascus so that if he found any who were of the way, who were of Christ, whether men or women, he might bring them bound to Jerusalem. And, he journeyed. and as he journeyed, he came near Damascus and suddenly a light shone all around him from heaven. Then he fell to the ground and heard a voice saying, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And he said, Who are you, Lord? Then the Lord said, I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting. It is hard for you to kick against the goats. So he, trembling and astonished, said, Lord, what do you want me to do? Then the Lord said to him, Arise and go into the city, and you will be told what you must do. And so with that experience with Christ, Paul is Saul is converted to Paul and becomes the apostle to the Gentiles. And so he as we saw in Acts chapter 15, we saw that he advocated for them. He, he advocated for the truth of Christ, that it's by Christ alone that we are saved, and not by works of the flesh, such as circumcision. And so the but, it's always but God. I love that phrase in several of the scriptures of, of the New Testament, it says, "But God." But here it says in verse seven, "But what things were gained to me, these I have counted loss for Christ." So he gives that resume. He has that solid resume. Yet all of that doesn't matter. It's all for Christ. Counts it all loss for Christ. So really this section is about that loss, counting all things lost for Christ. Do we hold loosely to the things of this world that we hold on to Christ even more? That's really what Paul is getting to here, that we should count all things for loss except for Christ. Yet indeed, I also count all things lost for the excellence of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things, and count them as rubbish, that I may gain gained Christ. So he has gone through a lot for Christ, but he counts it, he says rubbish, it's trash, it's garbage, compared to Christ. For the excellence of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord. He has suffered these loss of all things, but he counts it rubbish, because he, that he may gain Christ. And Paul gives an account in Second Corinthians, chapter 11, verse 16. He gives an account of his sufferings. Second Corinthians 11:16. He's reluctant in this, but he he once again gives kind of a resume of boasting. I say again, let no one think me a fool. If otherwise, at least receive me as a fool, that I may, may also that I also may boast a little. What I speak, I speak not according to the Lord, but as it were foolishly in the confidence of boasting. Seeing that small that many boast according to the flesh, I also will boast. For you will put up with fools gladly, since you yourselves are wise. For you put it up with it, if one brings you into bondage, if one devours you, if one takes you from you, if one exalts him, if one strikes you in the face. To our shame I say that we were too weak for that. But in whatever anyone is bold, I speak foolishly, I am bold also. Suffering for Christ, are there verse 22. Are are they Hebrews? So am I. Are they Israelites? So am I. Are they the seed of Abraham? So am I. Are they ministers of Christ? I speak as a fool. I am more. In labors, more abundant. In stripes, more measure. In prisons, more frequent. In deaths often. From the Jews, Five times I received 40 stripes minus one. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Three times I was shipwrecked. A night and a day I have been in the deep. In journeys often, in perils of waters, in perils of robbers, in perils of my own countrymen, in perils of the Gentiles, in perils in the city, in perils in the wilderness, in perils in the sea, in perils among false brethren, in weariness and toil, in sleepiness, often in hunger and thirst, and fasting, often in cold and nakedness. Besides the other things, what comes upon me daily? My deep concern for all the churches. Who is weak? Am I not weak? Who is made to stumble? And I do not burn with indignation. If I must boast, I will boast in things which concern my infirmity. The God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who is blessed forever, knows that I am not lying. In Damascus, the governor under Artaeus, the king, was guarding the city of Damascus with a garrison, desiring to arrest me. But I was let down in a basket through the window in the wall and escaped his hands. It is doubtless not profitable for me to boast. I will come to visions and revelations of the Lord. I know a man in Christ who 14 years ago, whether in the body I do not know or whether out of the body, I do not know. God knows such one who is caught up in the third heaven. And so the idea is here is that um, possibly refers to when he was stoned, that he, that God, that he did die, and that um, God restored him to life. Here, I mean, just that list that we went through, all the things that Paul went through, and in our passage in Philippians, he calls it all rubbish, garbage, trash, because its, its end was to know Christ, um, to have Christ, that everything else is um, worthless compared to knowing Christ. Um, and it describes that, it what happened when he went up, it says, I know of such a man, whether in body or out of body, I do not know. God knows how he was caught up in the paradise and heard in inexpressible words, which is not lawful for a man to utter. Of such a one I will boast, yet of myself I will not boast, except in my infirmities. For though I might desire to boast, I will not be a fool. For I will speak the truth, but I refrain, lest anyone should think of me above what he seems to be or hears from me. And then the thorn in the flesh. unless I should be exalted above measure by the abundance of the revelations. A thorn in the flesh was given me, a messenger of Satan to buffet me, lest I would be exalted above measure. So he's saying that this thorn in the flesh was like given to him to keep him humble, to, that he wouldn't be exalted. Concerning these things, I pleaded with the Lord three times that it might depart from me. And he said to me, My grace is sufficient for you, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. I mean, what what words from our Lord that we can take, not only for Paul here in this situation with his thorn in the flesh, but for our situations, our circumstances that we run into life. My grace is sufficient for you. I'm Christ is telling us he's sufficient for us. He's He's our all in all, and He tells us, "For My strength has made perfect in weakness." I mean, how often do we feel weak in things in life? But yet, the strength of God is there. Have you, in our weakness, have you seen the strength of God? Have you seen His grace overcome our deficiencies? My grace is sufficient for you, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, most gladly, I will rather boast in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Therefore, I take pleasure in infirmities and reproaches. Let's read that again. I take pleasure in infirmities and reproaches and needs and persecutions and distresses. Why? For Christ's sake. For when I am weak, then I am strong. Because we have Christ. Because he is our strength. He is our Lord and God. And so... It continues in Philippians chapter 3, verse 9, backing up the verse 8. Now he says, I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish, that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having my own righteousness, which is from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness which is from God by faith. And so he points out that distinction that he, that the Judaizers were saying that you had to be circumcised. You had to follow the law. Um, but we know that the law is that mirror. It's that mirror for us to realize that we are sinners, that we do fall short. So we, as we look at the law, we can go through them and name probably all of them that we have fallen short of, that we have broken, it is there to show us that our need for our Savior, our need for Jesus. And he says, to be found in him, not having my righteousness, which is from the law, because if we could keep the law, we would be righteous on our own. But we need the righteousness of Christ because we can't keep the law. But that, which is through faith in Christ Jesus, by faith alone in Christ we are saved, the righteousness which is from God by faith. He imputes his righteousness upon us from through Jesus, the righteous one, that we can be called his children, sons and daughters of God, that I may know him in the power of his resurrection, and the fellowship of his sufferings, being conformed to his death, if by any means I may attain to the resurrection from the dead. Jesus is the only way that we attain the resurrection from the dead, that he is the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father except through him. I mean these are powerful words, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection. Remembering in John 11 that he said, I am the resurrection and life. In the fellowship of his sufferings, being conformed to his death, if by any means I may attain to the resurrection from the dead. So we count all things for loss outside of Christ, that we are in Christ and we can count the things of this world a loss to know Christ, to be in Christ. And the theme of this um, lesson, of this book that I put on, it was pressing toward the goal, and we have that coming from 12 through 16 of Philippians 3, and it says, "Not that I have already attained it, or am already perfected." But I press on, that I may lay hold for that which is of Christ Jesus has also laid hold of me. Brethren, I do not count myself to have apprehended, but one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forward to those things which are ahead, I press towards the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Therefore, let us, as many as are mature, have this mind, and if anything you think otherwise, God will reveal even this to you. Nevertheless, to the degree that we have already attained, let us walk by the same rule. Let us be of the same mind. We talked about this in earlier of Philippians, that Paul was expressing the unity, that we should be united, united in Christ, have that unity among the brethren, being of that same mind. And we press on towards that goal. 1 Corinthians 9, 24 and 27 tells us, Do you not know that those who run in a race all run, but one receives the prize? Run in such a way that you may obtain it. And anyone who competes for the prize is temperate in all things. Now they do it to obtain a perishable crown, but we for an imperishable crown. Therefore I run thus, not with uncertainty. Thus I fight not as one who beats the air, but I discipline my body and bring it into subjection. lest when I have preached to others, I myself should become disqualified. So we run this race. We run in such a way that we honor Christ, that we glorify him. That we're not disqualified, but we live in and through him. Then Hebrews 12:1 and 2 tells us, Therefore we also, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us so- lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, for who for the joy that was set before him, endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Though we run this race of life, we run with endurance. And what do we look for? We look for the finish line. We look for Christ. That we're always focused on Christ, that as we run, we're running consistently, constantly to him that one day we will finish and we will be in his presence always. He'll be there when we finish this race, this life, in this earthly body. He'll be there at that finish line with open arms to welcome us home. And then towards the end, he talks about being mature. In verse 15, it says, Therefore, let us, as many as are mature, have this mind, this mind of God. And if anything you think otherwise, God will reveal this to us. So I see that as God meeting us where we're at, that he's saying that we should... Be mature in in Christ, but God will meet us where we're at, and he will reveal even this to us, that he'll reveal himself to us where we're at. In the context of 1 Corinthians 14.20 is Paul's discussion about tongues, but he says this in the middle of it. 1 Corinthians 14.20, it says... Brethren, do not be children in understanding. However, in malice be babes, but in understanding be mature. So in the middle of this dialogue about, um, about tongues, and you could read it in 1 Corinthians chapter 14, but in the middle of that, he, he calls out for the brethren to be mature, to have this understanding. In malice be babes, be like a child. But in understanding, be mature in Christ. <coughs> then we have First Corinthians chapter two, verse one, and it says, "And I, brethren, when I came to you, did not come with excellence of speech or of wisdom, declaring to you." the the testimonies of God. For I determined not to know anything among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. I was with you in weakness and fear and much trembling. And my speech and my preaching were not persuasive words of human wisdom, but in demonstration of the spirit and of power, that your faith should not be in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. However, we speak wisdom among you who are mature, yet not the wisdom of this age, nor the rulers of this age, who are coming to nothing. But we speak the wisdom of God in a mystery, the hidden wisdom which God ordained before the ages of our glory, which none of the rulers of this age knew, for they had known they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. But as it is written, Eye has not seen nor ear heard, nor have entered in the heart of man the things which God has prepared for those who love him. But God has revealed them to us through his Spirit, for the Spirit searches all things, yes, the deep things of God. So he's encouraging us to be mature in Christ, to grow in Christ, to have that continuous growth in our life, to know the deep things of God. You know it's a mystery to the world, but God reveals it to those who believe that they would have that understanding and grow in His wisdom and His knowledge. And so, to finish up, we have Philippians three, verses seventeen through twenty-one. Sit and should sit and should yeah. <laughs> Citizenship, citizenship in heaven. Sometimes you just trip on things, don't you? All right. Let's be citizens of heaven. Verse 17, Philippians chapter 3. Brethren, join in following my example and note those who so walk as you have us for a pattern. For many walk, of whom I have told you often, now tell you, even weeping, that they are enemies of the cross of Christ, who ends, whose end is destruction, whose God is their belly, and whose glory is in their shame, who set their mind on earthly things. For our citizenship is in heaven, from which we also eagerly wait for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform our lowly body, that it may be conformed to his glorious body according to the working by which he is able even to subdue all things himself our goal our goal is heaven our goal is to be with our lord jesus christ forever and ever he starts off with this section by by saying follow my example And we have those examples we talked about in Hebrews chapter 12. I'm going to read it again, one and two, but it, it's such a great thing about that, that we're Hebrews 12, one and two. Therefore, we also, since we are surrounded by so great cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and sin so easily as snares us. Let us run the endurance, the race set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, in the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. And I want to emphasize that first part. Therefore, we also, since we are surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses, we have all these great examples, all these examples in the Bible, throughout the Bible that we can learn from, from their mistakes, from their victories, from their walk with Christ. We have the scriptures to encourage us to to learn from, um, but we also have, you know, contemporary people in our life. We have people in our lives now that we can watch and learn. And are we all perfect? No. But are we, you know, find those people in your life that are going for Christ. You know, look at, at their lives, see what you can learn from their lives, even their mistakes. And Paul, Paul says an amazing thing because it's a hard, it's a hard thing because it puts you on notice. I mean, he says it there in our in our passage, you know, follow my example. And then in 1 Corinthians 11, 1, he says, imitate me, just as I also imitate Christ. I And mean, that should be our goal, that we're imitating Christ. We are going for it. We're going all out for Christ. And that others can see that, that they can imitate it, and that they can follow Christ with that zeal, with that persistence, with that endurance also. We can get caught up looking at ourselves and our imperfections and our 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 faults and think, oh, I'm not. Nobody's going to follow me. Nobody's going to look at me. But yet, as that saying goes, you know, we may be the only gospel somebody reads. And so, that should be our goal. That should be what we are practicing our faith every day, that we're imitating Christ so that others can see us and imitate um, that same pattern. Paul, you know, boldly puts that out there and says, imitate me as I imitate Christ. And in Philippians 3, he says, join in following my example and note those who so walk as you have us for a pattern. You know, find those people of faith that you can follow, that you can follow their pattern, that you can follow Christ. But then he I think he softens his stance against those that he kind of um, be laid before he says for my walk of whom i have told you often now that you tell you even weeping that they are enemies across of, of christ whose end is destruction whose god is their belly and whose glory is in their shame who set their mind on earthly things so he's he's got this compassion he's, he's he says he's weeping for these people but he knows their end if they keep going in these ways it's destruction it's um they're set on earthly things. Their glory is their shame, that they are focused on themselves and not on Christ. But our, for our citizenship, that's their... If they don't repent, that, that that's their end. But our end is heaven as we are in Christ. For our citizenship is in heaven... We're aliens in this world where this is not our home. Our home awaits us in heaven. Our citizenship is in heaven for which we also eagerly wait. Are you eagerly waiting? I am. Are you eagerly waiting for that day for the Savior, for our Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform our lowly body that it may be conformed to his glorious body according to the working by which he is able even this, to do all things to himself Jesus said in John 14 two, he says in my father's house are many mansions if it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. But I want to back up to one, because it fits. Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. And then he says, in my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. The Lord is preparing a place for us. We'll be at that wedding feast with as the bride of Christ, as the church, will be at that wedding feast with the groom, Jesus Christ. And this is, you know, the Jewish guy would, when they were engaged, he would prepare a house for his bride. He would prepare that house. And then when the father said, it's time, uh, he would go and get his bride. And that's exactly what jesus is doing for us his bride his church he's preparing that house for us and one day he will come back for us and we will go as the bride of christ to be with him and be at that great wedding feast revelation 4 is one of my favorite chapters and I often incorporate it in the sermons. But it's such a beautiful picture of heaven that we have in, in words here. And I just wanted to read through it. This is our destination. This is where we will be one day in this scene. After these things, I looked and behold, a door standing open in heaven. And the first voice which I heard was like a trumpet speaking with me saying, come up here. And I will show you these things, which must place, take place after this. Immediately I was in the Spirit. And behold, a throne sat in heaven, and one sat on the throne. And he who sat there was like a jasper, and a sardius stone in appearance. And there was a rainbow around the throne, in appearance like an emerald. Around the throne were twenty-four thrones. And on the thrones I saw sat twenty-four elders, sitting clothed in white robes. And they had crowns of gold on their heads. And from the throne proceeded lightnings, thunders, thunderings, voices. Seven lamps of fire were burning before the throne, which are seven spirits of God. Before the throne there was a sea of glass like a crystal. And in the midst of the throne and around the throne were four living creatures, full of eyes in front and back. The first living creature was like a lion, second living creature like a calf. The third living creature had a face like a man the fourth living creature was a flying like a flying eagle the four living creatures each having six wings were full of eyes around and within and they did not rest day or night saying holy 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 lord god almighty who was and is and is to come whenever the creatures giving Who sits on the throne and worship him who lives forever and ever, and cast their crowns before the throne, saying, You are worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power, for you created all things, and by your will they exist and were created. What a beautiful scene that is! I mean, just the word pictures alone that we see in that Revelation 4 is just amazing. Um, just imagining what that actually looks like. Probably nothing compared to what it actually is. But yet yeah, one day we'll see that scene. We'll be in that scene. We worship in the Lord with the elders, with the creatures. In Philippians chapter 3, it talks about in that last verse of 21 who will transform our lowly body that it may be conformed to his glorious body, according to the working by which he is able, even to subdue all things to himself. And 1 Corinthians 15 tells us about that time, about that transformation. 1 Corinthians 15. 50 through 58. Now this I say, brethren, that flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, nor does corruption inherit incorruption. Behold, I tell you in a mystery, we shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet, for the trumpet will sound and the dead will be raised incorruptible. And we shall be changed. For this incorruptible for this corruptible must put on incorruption, and this mortal must put on immortality, so that when this corruptible has put on incorruption, and this mortal has put on immorality, then shall be brought to pass the saying which is written, Death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is your sting? O Hades, where is your victory? The sting of death is is sin, and the strength of sin is the law. But thanks be to God, who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, my beloved brethren, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. In a twinkling of an eye, in that moment, we'll be transformed from this earthly flesh to our heavenly body in Christ i mean that that is what we are running this race for we're running this race to be with Christ to live this life now in Christ remembering that he gives us that strength That when we are weak, he is strong. We press on towards that goal. We run this race of endurance. We continue to press on in Christ. Because we know the end. We know that he is victorious. He has already won the victory. We have the victory now. And we will have the victory then when we are transformed and are in his presence forever and ever. Press on. No matter what this life throws at us, let us press on in Christ and know that he is there with open arms waiting for us to finish this race. As the worship team comes, let us go to prayer. Lord, we give you thanks and praise this day, Lord, that you give us that strength to press on, to run this race, to, to mature in you, to grow and to overcome this world because you overcame this world for us. Lord, help us to live life abundantly through you, Lord. And, Lord, the things that this world throws at, throws at us, Lord, let us lay aside everything that is easily ensnares us, Lord, and just live for you. May we live in and through you, and we look forward to that day, to the day that you will welcome us into our new home, our heavenly home, where we will be with you forever and ever. What a day that will be. Lord, we thank you. We praise you. We, look, we thank you that we can worship you now here and each and every day. But Lord, that day when we will worship you together in heaven with all the saints from all eternity. Lord, what a day that will be. Lord, help us to Imitate you. Lord, as Paul said, imitate me as I imitate Christ. May we be bold in that statement too, that we are following you with our whole heart, our whole mind, our whole being, that others would see and know that you are God, that they would see Christ in us. Lord, let our light shine. May your light Illuminate the darkness of this world that many would come to the light and be saved. Lord, we give this over to you. We give those who we know who need you. Lord, we pray for those who are not saved. Lord, we pray that they would come to you. Lord, and I pray that we would name them by name and give them to you. We pray that one day, We would welcome them as brothers and sisters in Christ. We give this all to you this day. Help us to press on, Lord. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.